Hey guys and welcome back to another Tea with the Queen. So I am joined again today by my friend and colleague Amy Banks. Um, what we've decided to do today guys is just mix it up a little bit. Amy's been trawling through the social media that we have on the channel, the TikTok, the Instagram, the Facebook, all the questions that we get on YouTube as well. And what she's done is she's compiled what I think is a really helpful little list split into categories of children, divorce and finances of questions that you guys have asked me to answer for you. So obviously we couldn't go through all of the questions here and we have cut some of them down slightly just because some of them are a little bit long um, but we kind of get the gist of what, what it is that you're asking me. Um, so we thought it'd be a bit of fun to do a Q&A. Amy's going to ask the questions. Some of you guys want your names read out, other guys, uh, other of you don't want your names read out, that's absolutely fine. And then I'm going to see how many I can answer and hopefully we get some good responses um, or good answers for you guys that will that will help you out so I hope you enjoy right fire away Amy you're Perfect. going to start with the children's section start with children to begin with um so question one is by Fred 11 uh, he said my partner's ex has moved out the house and cut communication between him and his son and she won't disclose where she is living now what can he do Okay, so this question is around child contact. Uh, we're looking to get some child arrangements sorted out. Obviously, what the law says is that it's the child's right to have a relationship with both parents and the ex is stopping the child from having a relationship with this particular parent. So three-step process. Step one, start by having the round-the-table, kitchen-table discussion, as I call them. If that doesn't get you anywhere, and it may not from this particular question, then step two, I would be suggesting mediation. So uh, mediation is always a prerequisite before you make an application to the court. Um, and then, of course, step three, if mediation doesn't work, is going to be a... Uh, child arrangements application. So we're doing it on a C100. Uh, we're filling out the C100 and we're asking the court to give us a child arrangements order so that we can have a regular framework of contact with that child. Perfect. Fabulous. Right. Next question is from Mike. Um, he asks, can my ex stop me from seeing my daughter who's now 17? So not really. The family court arena will go up until the child is 16. We don't get any orders that will impact children once they're 16. At 17, children are definitely going to vote with their feet. So if your daughter wishes to see you at 17, she can. Doesn't really need um, the ex's permission anymore. So you wouldn't be able to do a court application then if they're 17? No, no, because um, even when they get to sort of 15, the court don't generally issue applications because yeah. by the time the process has finished, there's, there's every chance the child's going to be 16 um, and the, the, the child arrangements orders drop off at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fabulous. Right. Question number three is from Alice. Um, she asks, do I need to give my ex-wife my new address that I live in with my partner? She refuses to let my son stay if I don't give it to her. Look, my answer to this is typically always no. You know, the, the ex can't be demanding all these uh, all this information, even if it is where you live. In a harmonious relationship, you're probably going to get on and you're both going to know where each other lives. There's clearly a reason, perhaps, why this guy doesn't want his ex to know where he lives. And I think the ex needs to respect that. Um, he has parental responsibility and therefore the child is safe when in his care. 
is there a real reason to let her know where he lives? You know, I know a lot of people say, well, I don't know where my child's going to be during that time. And you don't really know where they're going to be anyway, even if you know where they're living, because you don't know how they're going to spend their contact weekend and where they're going to be taken to, etc. So you don't have to give the address. In an ideal world, yes, we'd all be harmonious and we'd all know where each other lived. But in the reality, and I know I have a few of my clients, they don't want their exes to know where they live. No. Just because there's been a bit of argy-bargy in the past and they're just trying to move away from oh, that. it's a fresh start, isn't it, for them? Yeah. It's certainly, if the question's being asked in the context of, do I have to give the address or I'm not going to be able to have contact with my child, the family court won't insist that you give the address. No, they'll, they'll yeah. leave that decision up to you. Okay, cool. Right, the next question is from Grace and she has asked, I'm trying to help my partner get access to his daughter but his ex has moved multiple times. We assume we have to apply to a court local to her but what can he do if we don't know where she is? bit tricky because obviously if you're going to make a child arrangements application to the court you do have to have the address of the other person um, you could try by engaging the services of an inquiry agent to see if the inquiry agent could find the address of the ex if that doesn't work and you've exhausted social media and all the other options available there you could potentially see if you could get a disclosure order from the court the court might be able to find out where they're living now they won't give you the address um, but what they will do is make sure they're served with the application so a couple of things there that they could try but yeah you are going to need some contact details if you want to um, get an order for sure yeah cool right the next question is from Dave Um, he's asked I'm not the biological father but I've been with my ex's little girl from six months old to six years the mother is now not letting me see her is there anything I can do the little girl also calls me dad oh Dave that is so sad that's so sad I mean you know I what you haven't said in your question Dave is if you have parental responsibility Um, I'm assuming that you don't have parental responsibility because you don't have to be the biological father to have PR. Um, I probably should make that clear. Um, You have been in the child's life for for a while. However, if mum doesn't want you to have parental responsibility and doesn't want you to have any contact with the child, you don't really have any rights to to make the application. Um, It will depend really on how involved you've been with that little girl um, and how much of the the care that that you took on. Um, but from what you've told me, and I can only go on, on obviously yeah. what's in the question, um, I suspect that your application may not succeed. Yeah. Application to the court is what I'm talking about. I'm so sorry, Dave. Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it? It is sad, especially when she calls him dad. I know, and it's a long time to be in their life for. It is, six years, absolutely. Yeah. Right, um, moving on to the next question. Uh, they wanted to stay as unknown. Okay. Um, so I have two children, divorced, and the children live with me full time. My ex-husband has got my kids' passports and won't give them to me. Is there anything I can do to get them back? Absolutely you can. You can make a, what we call a specific issues application. So we do that using a C100 form. You tick the specific issues, and the issue is that you want the children's passports returned to you. Now, the court might ask why you want them returning to you it may be that you've got a holiday planned or if you are the main carer of the children it may be that you feel that they should be in your um your possession but either way specific issues application using your c100 um and that's how you'd proceed there okay 
Uh, next question is from Bradford. My ex-daughter-in-law will not let me see my grandson. His father, which is his son, passed away. What can I do? Grandparents' rights. I get asked this all the time. Again, really tricky. Do grandparents have rights? Sometimes they do. You know, nothing is ever black and white in, in family law. Um, the, the grandparents that are heavily involved in the day-to-day -day care of the child will probably have a more successful application than those that are only seeing the grandchildren maybe once a week. So if your ex-daughter-in-law is not allowing you to see your grandson, I take it that you're not heavily involved in the grandson's life or you haven't been, um, in which case you may not succeed in that application. In that instance, I would say, look, take some legal advice because there'd be a lot more questions yeah. there that I'd want to ask, um, particularly before the son passed away, so the child's father, um, to find out exactly what kind of relationship. How involved uh, they were. Yeah. Yeah, how involved they were that, that grandmother was having with her grandson, for Perfect. sure. Uh, so next question is from Kiara. Uh, what do I do if the mum is refusing to let me see my son, but also saying prove that he's mine as I'm not on the birth certificate? Oh, dear. Prove that he's mine as I'm not on the birth certificate. I mean, if you're not on the birth certificate, that means you don't have parental responsibility. Doesn't mean that you can't make an application. You can, but you've just got to tick the permission box because you don't have parental responsibility. Um, well, unless you were married to mum at, at the time the child was born. Um, but if this question means what I think it means, that mum is saying the child's not yours, um, then you're going to have to, and you think the child is yours, you're going to have to go to court and ask the judge to order that DNA test is 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 undertaken. That that we can establish the paternity of this child, um, and and go from there. Really, uh, it seems very sad yeah. if mum isn't allowing a DNA test, or if mum is saying, "We'll prove it then." So prove that can that the be court ordered to have a DNA test done. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We can we can ask the court. We can say, "Look, we firmly believe this child is ours. Um, we want to have a paternity test done. Uh, sorry, a DNA test done to prove the paternity," and the court can order that yeah I mean obviously you'd have to bring some evidence with you to court yeah um to substantiate what you're saying and of course you would hope that mum wouldn't um you know uh, object too much because yeah. that's just going to make it you know a little bit more difficult but but yeah you can yeah okay. absolutely oh. yeah right so I'm gonna move on to the divorce questions now just before we do, yeah. um, just wanted to say to everybody out there that is involved within children's proceedings, mm -hmm. it's really, really difficult. I mean, family law is very emotive anyway. Um, we were having a conversation just off air before we, we started to do this podcast about family law yeah. and, and how emotional it is and how people are, you know, just so caught up with it all. And, and I get that. I get that. I've been doing this for a long time. But what I find particularly challenging is where two parents are just going at it hammer and tongs because I think what can sometimes get forgotten is that a child will love their parents unconditionally. And unless you've got genuine, like real bona fide welfare concerns, then it's always better for the child 
to work together with the other parent and that is so hard and I get that I get that because you know you you hate your ex you 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 can't forgive them for what they've done or you know whatever the circumstances are but it's you've got to try and remember it's got nothing to do with the kids it really hasn't and and I know I say that a lot and it's difficult and a lot of people just you know it's in one ear and out the other but honestly if you're caught up in this right now just take a moment to think you know what my kid's going to actually thank me one day for encouraging a relationship with the other parent. Yeah. Because, look, children need both parents, that good or bad. Like, you know, and there's no perfect parents out there. No. There are no perfect you. parents out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm one, and, well, maybe I am a bit perfect. I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> I'm sure my kids the would queen disagree. For no reason. <laughs> so, yeah, just, um, you know, word to the wise, you know, make it work. Make and it work. I also think going off of, like, with the children, I noticed through a lot of the questions on social media, a lot of people are too scared to do the next step and go to court. Yeah. But yeah. We were we were literally talking about it as well as saying don't be afraid if you can't afford it. Yeah, just try do it yourself. Do it yourself. There, yeah. you can do it, and the court's not going to frown upon you for yeah. not having the money to go through the solicitors and the barristers. Definitely, yeah, I mean, that's what you're here for. And Absolutely, you're a big advocate for it. So, and and I say that because the the place that I'm coming from is over the years I have represented so many fathers who genuinely will take any contact they can get, whether it be an hour on a Saturday morning in a contact centre. And what I have seen over the years is so many people or mothers who will do their utmost to stop contact from taking place. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because you know when that child grows up, you're, they're never going to get that time back. No, and so true. You know, the the child ultimately will turn to to the father and say, "Where were you? Why yeah. didn't you fight a little bit harder?" And I've had grown men say to me, "I can't do this anymore, Trace. I've been in the court system for three to four years. I just can't do." And it honestly, it breaks my heart. Yeah, it really does break my heart. So. Come on, guys, for those of you out there, sort it <laughs> Co-parent, out. guys. It's Christmas. <laughs> uh, right, we'll move on to the divorce ones okay, now. Okay. Wonderful. So first question on divorce is from Ellie. Mm, yep. uh, she has asked, my husband filed for divorce in May. He later returned to the family home. What happens to the divorce now? Well, the divorce will, will remain on foot, uh, as we say. A bit of legal speak there. Sorry, guys. But it will remain live unless one of you withdraw the divorce application. It will stay there. And it will. Con- I mean, nothing will happen to it. The court won't action it. Um, but the court won't, by their own motion, get rid of it. So, you know, you have to either acknowledge the divorce petition or if your husband was the one that filed it, he could serve you using a process server and yeah. the divorce will continue. So I think have the conversation with your husband and say, look, are we still doing this? You've moved back home. What's going on? Yeah. Or are we leaving it and if we're leaving it then we need to be withdrawing the divorce petition yeah um and that way you can feel and and it actually happened i had a client recently um who they started the divorce there was a reconciliation he thought my client that she was pulling the divorce petition and she didn't and she went ahead and divorced him and he literally got the decree absolute in the post and thought, what in God? I thought yeah. that we were working towards getting back together again. And she was sort of like, nope. So definitely get some clarity on that one then. Definitely get clarity, 100%. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, question two is from Kat. Um, I'm confused on what to do first, divorce or a financial agreement. That's an easy one to answer, Kat. So you've got to start the divorce before you can submit your financial order to the court. Okay. So start your divorce with your divorce petition. The next step is then what we call a conditional order in the divorce. Once you've got that, pause the divorce for a second and then turn to your financial order. Put your financial order in and then that's that done. And then you'll turn back to the divorce process and you'll get the final order of divorce. Okay, so you have to start the divorce first. And I always recommend that you guys do the financial order to sever those financial ties. That's your catchphrase. That is my catchphrase. <laughs> sever them financial ties. Perfect. Uh, so this kind of just touches based on what we were just talking about. Question yeah. three is from Dean. Um, yeah. I filed for my divorce. Can I change my mind? If so, what do I do? Absolutely, um, Dean. You can change your mind. Um, and of course, if the other person has also changed their mind, yeah. then we've got a reconciliation and that never makes me happier. So brilliant. Um, you, But you do need to withdraw your divorce petition. You do need to let the court know that you no longer wish uh, to pursue the divorce and can they please withdraw or, you know, um, strike out your divorce petition so that it's officially off the record, no more. Yeah. No. So that there, there is an action that you have to do. Yeah, you can't yeah. just leave it. It'll still be about if you haven't... Um... Abs yeah, it will. It will, for sure. And, and and it will be about for years, for years. Like, they don't die just because you don't do anything with them. You'll still have that case number to your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it'll still be it Barry St. Edmund. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably wouldn't have got to the paperwork yet <laughs> before you actually decide, yeah. realise it's still live. Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, so question four from Simon. Can yeah. I do the divorce myself? Yes, you can, Simon. And more and more people are doing the divorce themselves now. And the reason for that is that as of April 2022, we moved from our old system into the new no-fault divorce um, which is really straightforward. It's all done online and you don't need to blame anybody anymore. So yes, Simon, you can do it yourself if you want to. And it'll be very cheap doing it yourself because there's only one court fee, which is? £593. Oh, guys, stunning. Yeah. Right, and the last question on divorce was from Zelda. If I was married abroad, can I get a divorce in the UK? Yes, you can, Zelda. So as long as your marriage is recognised, you have a marriage certificate and it took place in a uh, in a place that was registered to do marriages, then yes, you can get your divorce here in the UK. And lots of people do. You know, lots of people are married abroad in the Caribbean, in different countries. As long as we recognise that marriage here in England and Wales, then we will, the court system will certainly start your divorce for you. Yeah, and I... Well, all, sorry to interrupt. No, all, I, all I would say to that is just know that wherever you start your divorce generally will have the jurisdiction to then sort out the finances. Okay, that's interesting. So if you start your divorce in the UK, then it will generally be the UK that sorts out the finances. I say that because sometimes I have people come to me and they say, we've started my divorce in Italy or I've yeah. started my divorce in Canada because maybe one of them is still living out there. Um, but actually, I've done a bit of research and it's 
it's better if the UK deals with the finances ah. because they're more favourable to women or they're more favourable mm-hmm. to men or whatever the situation might be. Um, and typically, I'd be saying to them, well, if your divorce has started in another jurisdiction, we will tend to do the finances in that jurisdiction. Yeah. So just just be mindful of that. Yeah, and what I was going to say as well is with the marriage certificate, if it is in a different language, be prepared to have to get it translated. Yes. Because you do need to have it in, in English. Good point. Yes, you do. You have to submit your marriage certificate when you start the divorce petition. As Amy says, if it is from abroad, you will have to get it translated and then you submit the... English copy and the original yeah. copy as and well. It doesn't cost too much either. There's so many places, no. isn't there? Depends on how many pages what? it goes up. But yeah. if, it's, if they're not too long, it's only like fifty. I was just fifty to say. about hundred quid, depending yeah. on how many. Depending pages. on how long it yeah. is, yeah. But they're they're not expensive. We we've done ones that have been like thirty five quid. Yeah, it's not just much to translate it. Yeah, but yeah. the court definitely want to see it in English. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. So moving on to the finances questions. Yep. Uh, the first one's from Rebecca. Yeah. My husband and I are not divorced. We are still in the process of doing a financial agreement, but he has stopped paying the mortgage. We have two girls. What should I do? Any advice would be appreciated. Well, I'm going to assume, Rebecca, that was a big intake of breath. Then. I felt, <laughs> it's like I'm going to start singing then. Um, I'm assuming, Rebecca, that you need this mortgage payment in order to remain in the family home with the children, which tells me that you potentially have a need for spousal maintenance. Spousal maintenance is something that if it's needed, it's needed instantly. So you have to act on it fairly quickly. What I mean by that is if you, if you can sort of go 12 months, months before you apply for spousal maintenance the court could infer from that that you don't need the spousal maintenance because you've been you know surviving without it for 12 months so I think definitely take some advice there Um, do you need spousal maintenance if you need that financial support then we can make an emergency application to the court to have that ordered because the housing needs of the parties are obviously uh, important but it's the housing needs of the children that will be priority and the question does state that she has two girls um, and if you stop paying the mortgage that could be Troublesome. Well, Well, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Uh, Question two is from Claire. Mm -hmm. I'm in the process of getting two properties valued, um, which I own, for my Form E, and my ex-husband has asked me to also get my mother's house valued. Does he have a claim to my mother's house? No, he doesn't. If the property is in your mother's name and it has nothing to do with you and therefore isn't a matrimonial asset, he has no right um, to get a valuation of that. What I would be saying to him at the moment is, well, no, you know, obviously I, I don't know why he wants this valuation, but no. And if he wishes to pursue that um, at the family court, then he can ask the court to give him a direction. Uh, sorry, to give a to give a direction, i.e., put it in the order um, that you get a valuation of uh, your mother's house. But then, of course, the court will be wanting to know why, why, why he wants that. Yeah. So, it may be because she's about to get it in inheritance. I was just thinking that. Um, but you know, if you haven't got it, if it's not in your name, then it's not yours. Yeah. So chances are the court's going to look to ring fence that. I was going to say you speak about that before. It's, yeah. They'll always try and ring fence the Absolutely. as much as they can. Yeah, and the fact they've got two properties together. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the court would be it'd be less likely for the court to then be dragging the third property that she doesn't even own yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting actually. Perfect. Right. Question number three is from Kathy. I left my ex a year ago in our jointly owned home. He refuses to pay 100% of the mortgage. What can I do? 
This is always a tricky one. So where you jointly own the property, I'm going to assume that the mortgage is in joint names as well. Now, typically, if you leave and you go and live somewhere else, you are now incurring other housing costs. Yeah. And the person that stays in the property and therefore has exclusive use of the property will be paying the mortgage there. And that's only fair because yeah. they're living there, they want to stay there. The person that moves out, they've got their rent or another mortgage to pay. But you are still responsible for that mortgage. So if the person that stays in the property is saying, well, I don't care, I'm only paying 50% of it and you're going to have to pay the other 50%, you probably are going to have to pay it if you don't want to get a bad credit rating. So what I'd then be pushing for is an order for sale so that the property's sold. Because if you're not living there anymore, even though you're still tied to the mortgage, you don't really want to be contributing towards a house that you're not living at, not living in, and it. not getting any yeah. benefit from it, so and having to pay the rent or the mortgage in your new place where yeah. you're living. Having so, costs. yeah, so the, you know, there's a little bit of a, a catch twenty two there. You don't want to get a bad credit rating, mm. but you would hope that the person who stayed there would have, do the decent thing and pay the mortgage. You yeah. Know? Or, or put the property up the, on the market for sale if they can't afford to stay there on their own. there's a discussion there that's needed, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Wonderful. Right, uh, question four is from Rebecca. Uh, what happened if I was to remarry without a financial order? Oh, Rebecca, Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca. I'm always telling you guys, once you get your divorce, you get your financial order. If you don't get a financial order and you go on to remarry, all you've done, Rebecca, is you have um, cut off any... Uh, option for you to make a financial claim against your ex-husband. So you, you no longer are able to do that. You have barred yourself from doing that. However, your ex-husband, unless he has remarried, hasn't barred himself. No. So Rebecca, you could find yourself in a slightly vulnerable position there. So, you know, he can come after you, but by the virtue of your remarriage, you can't go after him. And they could potentially claim on your new partners. Absolutely. Because now you're remarried, Rebecca, um, (laughs) your new husband's assets um, are are a marital asset. So if your ex-husband is able to prove financial hardship, um, you know, there's a lot of risk there is what I'm trying to say. I'm not I'm not trying to scare. But, uh, you know, on a on a serious note, there's a lot of risk there. You you should always be looking, guys, to get your financial order once you've got your divorce. For sure. Definitely. For sure. Perfect. Uh, question five is from Sarah. If uh, if a married couple living in a mortgage property split and one moves out, can the one left in the property be forced to sell to avoid repossession? Oh, well, if the house is being repossessed, then the person that remains in the property clearly can't afford to pay the mortgage. Mm. So absolutely, you know, I mean, the court, you know, that's going to be a successful application right there. This I come across, unfortunately, far too often and what you find in reality is that you can't get the order for sale quicker than the repossession sometimes because obviously you know the court system it takes a while um, to actually make our application to get before the court there might have to be a couple of hearings before we can get our order and of course you know by which time it might be too late the property might be repossessed um, so it, it's a tricky one. But yes, if the property's up for repossession, the court will, will certainly look to help you by getting an order for sale. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, question six is from Gen85. My final hearing has been rescheduled after my ex failed to file and serve his paperwork again. He has since contacted <clears> the court uh, to claim he is suffering from mental health. Will the court or judge consider his paperwork now it's a month late? Well, two things here. Yes is the answer. Regardless of the fact that it's late, um, the, the family court are just going to be very motivated to get to the end of this matter. There'll be no point like throwing out the application because it's only going to come back again at a later date. So it's it's annoying. It's irritating that he didn't file his paperwork on time. But now that it's in, the court's most likely going to deal with it. What I'm a little bit more concerned about is the fact that if he's claiming to be suffering from mental health, the court may question the validity of his documents. Oh, okay. Because actually, if somebody is saying that they've got some mental health issues, are they in a fit state to be completing court documents and court yeah. paperwork and submitting things into evidence? So for me, that might be a bit of a trigger um, for the court. What would the court do if that's kind of the route they go down? Do they pause on proceedings? What would they... They they don't pause. So where somebody no longer has capacity mm -hmm. to provide their solicitor with instructions, we bring in what's called the official solicitor. Okay. Um, so the, the proceedings can continue, but in a way that, you know, that person isn't being asked to provide evidence because if they're not of sound mind and look I've made a massive leap there from mental health to not yeah, being to, of sound mind yeah. but it was just because the mental health um, words mm. were used it just made me think well does this guy have capacity yeah so the we can continue yeah but we would need the help of the official solicitor yeah yeah and I guess it um, it's quite common in family court which I think people don't realize is when you have the deadline for the paperwork to be handed in, sometimes you literally can't get the paperwork in time. Yes. Such as your pensions and things like that. Yes. Your pay slips don't come out in time for the proceedings. So exactly. So don't stress too much on certain things. There exactly. will be a little bit of leeway. The there. court, the court are fairly sorry. The family court, I should yeah. say. I shouldn't say you know for any other court, but the family court are fairly flexible when it comes to deadlines. And the reason for that is that they appreciate that families are just that. Yeah. You know, we, we are not only suffering with the trauma of the relationship breaking down, but obviously the dynamics have changed. And now we might be a single parent and we're trying to complete all these forms after a day's work yeah. when the kids are in bed. You know, so it's, it's not something that might be your priority or it might not be something that you can turn around in, in 24 hours. Yeah. So, you know, whilst dates are given to keep us all on track you know as long as we've got everything in that we wish to rely upon mm. in good time before the next court hearing we can generally make our apologies to the judge yeah. and say look we apologize that our statement was late or that our you know so long as we're not causing any further delay for example you know we if we have to file a questionnaire then we need to get the replies to questionnaires done you know, it's pointless if going to the next court hearing if we don't have our replies to questionnaires. Yeah. So generally, the, the family court are fairly flexible there. Yeah. And then if they're still not doing it, they'll make a direction, won't they, the, the court? Yeah. So yeah. you'll get it either way. You you will get it either <laughs> way. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Okay, cool. Next question is from Hannah. I'm coming to an end of my divorce and haven't applied for a clean break order as we both have already divided our assets and both have new homes. Can I do this without a solicitor or do we have to have one as we've done the divorce through the government website? 
So, um, Hannah, you will need to instruct a solicitor. Um, you won't find or you'll struggle to find a clean break order or any form of financial order template out there. And there's good reason for that. They are bespoke. They're not like the divorce petition where one size fits all. You tick the boxes on a divorce petition. It's the fact that your marriage yeah. is irretrievably broken down and, and away we go. With a financial order, it's very bespoke to that party. You have to take some legal advice to make sure that the clean break order is the fair and reasonable way forward. Yeah. And I'm talking about a legal fair and reasonable. You know, lots of people come to me and say, I've sorted out the finances. It's all very fair and reasonable. And I think, well, hang on a minute. Let me ask you a mm. few questions because the court's going to be looking at the legal fair and reasonable. So it's for that reason that you won't be able to do it yourself. But look, if you're both in agreement to yeah. a financial order and it, by the sounds of it, everything been done in Hannah's case most solicitors including my firm will do it for a fixed fee and we're talking hundreds of pounds rather than thousands yeah so you know don't be afraid to reach out and say to a solicitor need a clean break order we're all agreed do you do a fixed fee you yeah. know can you help me out and it's like you said previously on one of your videos the more you can agree it's going to benefit oh, benefit yeah. you both because a you're going to get the finances the way you want it rather than it being court ordered yeah um and also if you can agree it'll be a lot cheaper for you won't it absolutely yeah yeah Wonderful. for sure uh so question eight is from amy why would you advise a financial order before a final order of divorce so it just keeps things tidier amy if you get divorced and are therefore no longer married the perfect example or the example i always give is you then stop being entitled to your spouse's pension because you're no longer their spouse. So if we can just tidy everything up while mm. you're still married, we're getting a maximum benefit of everything that a spouse would get. And then once we've got the financial order in place, then we can go ahead and do the divorce. Whereas if we're doing it after mm. the event, it just complicates things. And it doesn't impact everybody, don't get me wrong, because there's, not everybody has a pension. Yeah. Um, and not everybody's got assets, so it doesn't really matter. I've had lots of people who have been divorced for a few years, listen to my videos and think, oh, actually, I want to get a financial order. They yeah. come to me after the event. It's fine, we can still do it. Yeah. But if we're going through the divorce, and during that point I can get to people and say, look, just do the financial order now, it's just... It's cleaner, shall we yeah. say. Legally, it's just a and cleaner way to do it. it's dragging it on then, is it? Yeah. You don't have to revisit something years down the line when you kind of just want to move on with yeah. your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and then the last question we've got is from Martin. Uh, he said, can you just get a financial order without going to the court or without even finishing the divorce? So, Martin, you can get your financial order without going to court. Um, an example of that would be a consent order where you both agree, so you and your spouse agree, the solicitors will draft it and we will just send it to court electronically. Um, can you get it without having a divorce? No. You do have to be divorced in order for a financial order to kick in. The only way that you're going to be able to get a financial order without getting a divorce is if you do what's called a legal separation. So if you become legally separated, which will require you to complete the divorce petition, because that's the judicial separation mm -hmm. uh, form, it's, it's the same form, um, then in that instance, you can get your financial order, but you're legally separated. But yeah, if, if you don't want to do the divorce, then you're not going to be able to get your financial order. 
Okay. And you know how when you get divorced, so you submit it at the conditional order. Yeah. And then you submit your financial order. Yeah. That gets sealed by the courts. Yes. Say if they then don't apply for the final order. Yes. Will they still have that financial order? Will it mean anything? Or do they have to have that final order in place for it to they, be like? They have to have the final order in place. And that's why if you look at any financial order, it will say that it will only come into effect upon the pronouncement of decree absolute yeah. for those of you on the old system or a final order. So the consent order won't kick in or the yeah. fun, the financial order, sorry, won't kick in until, even though it's made before you're divorced, yeah. it won't kick in until you're actually divorced. Yeah, I think that's really important to note because I think a lot of people kind of then are just yeah. pause. yeah. And and just on that point, a lot of people, when they've listened to the videos, will, will email me and say, how do I know if I've got a financial order? Yeah. How, how do I know? so common. Maybe I've got one, actually. You'll know if you have one because you've got two forms to fill out. You've got the actual order that you've got to read and sign, and it will mention nothing about the divorce. So yeah. it's very different to your divorce petition. But you also have another form called a D81 or a statement of information. And you've got to put a lot of detail on that form. Yeah. Your name, your address, your date of birth, what you earn, the value of your pension, the value of any savings, any debts that you've got. Are you remarried? Are you in a cohabiting relationship? Do you plan to get remarried? So it's not it's not a short form that you'd forget and doing. And you've signed it. And you have signed it. Now, yeah. the consent, uh, the actual financial order you've got to sign, mm. the D81 you've got to sign twice. Yeah. So there's three signatures yeah, that you have required. to do. Whereas the divorce, you're not signing anything. The If you are the respondent in a divorce, then all you're doing is returning the acknowledgement of service to the yeah. court. If you're the one that submits the divorce petition, of course, you, you've signed the divorce petition. But you'll know, I always say that to people, you'll know if you've done a financial order yeah. because, you know, you, you, there's a lot of forms to fill out. There's a lot of signatures, three signatures yeah. minimum. Um, you'll be asked for a lot of information. You'd remember. Yeah. You'd remember. I think it's, um, I've noticed through like your DMs, most people who were on the old style divorce are the yeah. ones asking if they've got the financial order. So yeah. whether it's now a lot more clearer, like I know on the government website now when you're doing the no fault yeah you literally have to take a box saying are you wanting to do a financial audit is it yeah. benefiting you or is it benefiting the children yeah. so i guess it's very clear then people will then question well what's this financial order i don't know if it was the same yeah. obviously with the old it's i, I can't, you know i can't remember yeah. but i'm glad that you brought that up because the flip side to that on the new system amy's quite right it does ask you on the divorce petition do you wish to apply for a financial order and people tick yes, and away they go. Mm. And then some people have come to me and have said, oh, no, it's fine. We've done the financial order. I ticked the box on the divorce petition. But all that box has done is it's let the court know that a financial order is coming. It's not yeah. given you a financial order. So it's really good to be able to, to make that point clear that even though you've ticked, yes, I do want a financial order, the court's not going to give one to you because you've ticked that box yeah. You are just letting the court know that one is coming. I, I will be putting a financial order together and I'll be sending it in. 
And isn't it so, worth always ticking it, even if you say if you don't want one? Isn't yes. there like a benefit in the sense that you can go back if you yes. tick that box? Just, yes. I remember something happening with a client so, once. And yeah, so um, I represented a client and he came to me and they were already divorced mm. and they didn't have the financial order. And it had been, they'd been divorced a very long time. And um, the ex-wife uh, was still living in the former matrimonial home. Okay. And uh, obviously, they both parties had moved on. They both got new relationships, etc. But his name was still on the property, and he very much wanted to get his share of the property. And the wife's argument was, "Well, we've been divorced now a long time, and I've been paying off the mortgage. And actually, had you wanted to do something about it, you would have done all those years ago." And it was looking a bit bleak. Mm. a bit bleak on our side and and we thought god you know what 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 do we do here what um, and we raised certain arguments that that were appropriate for him but our saving grace mm. was when we dug out the divorce petition yeah. which had happened years and years before the solicitor with conduct of the of the case at the time had actually ticked we want to sort the finances out. Yeah. And they ticked that box. So we were able to then say to the court, it was always our intention to do it. We just didn't want to do it until the children were adults. Yeah. Now the children are adults, we want to do it again. So that little box can be very yeah. important. It's worth a tick, guys. It's, <laughs> it's worth, worth a tick. tick. Definitely tick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tick it rather than don't yeah, tick I always it. have Tracy Luna over your shoulder <laughs> every day, being like, if you didn't tick that box. <laughs> but just know when you have ticked it, the court aren't then going to automatically give you a financial order and don't think that you've got one yeah because i know that it's a little bit misleading that part of the form so i'm glad yeah. you brought that up yeah definitely and i think it's always important to note i just know i'm always like the divorce and the finances are two separate matters they don't very much and i think so. people get confused with it i think someone messaged and were like so we've had a clean break divorce yeah and i'm like well you would have had a divorce yeah. and you might want a clean break but i was yeah. like you won't have one altogether. so i yeah. guess it's just terminology and knowing yeah. what what to do I, I'm always amazed and I've been doing this job a long time but I'm still always so shocked at how many people don't appreciate they've got to get the financial order yeah. you have got to get that financial order to sever the financial ties guys and for the majority of people it won't it won't you know, bring about anything r too bad yeah. because no one knows about it. Yeah. But there's always that chance that, you know, they'll oh. know about it. I know. And they'll find out about videos it. And they'll be like, yeah. and then they see it. Yeah. I also think you get a few people message and they're like, oh, I don't have a financial order, but I'm getting married in a couple of months. And I'm like, yeah. I, <laughs> I know. I know. I would get to, to a solicitor right now. Yeah. And and the 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 people sort of say to me, but oh, I don't need one of them, do I? I'm like, well, if you win the lottery, oh, I'm never going to win the lottery. <laughs> so the leading case never on seen. point is a lottery winning case. Yeah. And then as recently as two to three years ago, I did a case that was a lottery case. Yeah. And um, we didn't have a financial order, even though we were divorced, and we were able to claim some of the other side's lottery winnings. Okay. So it happens, guys. It, it, it <laughs> genuinely happens, you know. So get that financial order. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think the Q&A sessions are great yeah, so because good. I think we're able to cover off so much. Yeah. We used to do it with the Discord channel. We used to record the Discord channel, put that on the podcast. But I think this is a bit more of a, uh, we can just get Quick through fire. so many more so questions. Much, yeah. yeah, which is why we decided to do it this way. Anyway, really hope you enjoyed that, guys. I'm starting to witter on. I know that I do that towards the 
end. Um, really hope you enjoyed that and got something out of it. We will do more Q&As and we'll try to cover the three areas of family law, the finances, the divorce and the children. Um, but for now, um, hope you enjoyed that. By all means, leave your comments uh, in the bio below so that I can get to see exactly what other information you guys are looking to, to have answered or other ways that we can help you. Um, enjoy the rest of your day or your journey if you're listening to this in the yeah. car. And I look forward to having another uh, podcast with you next Sunday at 12 o'clock with Tea with the Queen. Until then, guys, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. <laughs> Fabulous.